You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text this morning is the epistle lesson appointed from this, for this day from Paul's letter to the Colossians, uh, chapter 3, which we read earlier. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters in Christ, this section of Paul's letter to the Colossians often serves as a wedding text. In fact, I used it when I officiated at my niece's wedding a couple of months ago. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach a wedding sermon. Or am I? If you think about it, our whole life as Christians is, is a type of marriage. I mean, how often does Scripture use the marriage metaphor to describe our relationship to Christ? He is the bridegroom, and we, his church, are the bride. So I guess any advice given to a wedding couple uh, based on this text might also serve well as a message to the entire Christian church. Listen again. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Well, that's good advice whether you're married or not. That's good advice whether you're Christian or not. Granted, this section of Colossians deals with what we do as part of being the new creation in Christ, but Luther did say that marriage is part of what we call the left-hand rule of God. That means marriage is one of the ways that God establishes and maintains order in this world, a world which includes all people, Christians and non-Christians. And if you think about it, marriage is kind of like a microcosm of society. As the family goes, so often that's how society goes. Luther also said that the family is the most fundamental arena of our vocation as God's people. Now Luther's notion of vocation has served almost all people in all nations well. That's because God often works through such things as families to deliver his blessings. Now, vocation comes from that Latin word vocatio, which means calling. We, we all participate in a number of callings in life, like family, job, citizenship, etc. And each of these callings provides us with an opportunity to serve others. After all, we just celebrated God serving us by sending his son to us on Christmas. And, and Jesus is all about serving. He even said in Matthew chapter 20, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. We who have been served are now called to serve. 
And what better way to describe such service than with those directives in our text? In our text, we're called to clothe ourselves. Often what we wear defines who we are. And right before our text, Paul tells us what kind of clothes to take off. He writes, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. That's what we take off. This is what we put on. In our baptism, we put on Christ. We were clothed with Christ. We were clothed with Christ's righteousness. So what we wear, Christ's righteousness, now defines who we are. And who we are defines what we do. Here's what we do. We put on compassion and kindness. Be sensitive to people. You know, a lot of the people we interact with are going through some tough times. We've got to be sensitive, even when we might not necessarily feel like it. Maybe we can be sensitive to those around us by not judging them, but rather by meeting them where they're at. After all, Christ met us where we're at. And as he said, he didn't come to judge us, but to save us, and that he did. Be kind to one another. Maybe you were as fortunate as I was to have a mother who not only encouraged kindness, but showed kindness, and not just to her family, but to everyone she came in contact with. If you can't say anything nice, then it really might be better to say nothing at all. Put on humility and gentleness. Be humble. Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. There are plenty of needs of people that we can tend to. Jesus does. Jesus did for you and me. He says in Matthew chapter 11, Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Sometimes you just got to bury your pride and be humble. And all we need to do is take a good look at God's law to recognize our own weakness. Then, like that toothless, abominable snowman and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, we might become a mighty humble bumble. But what better way to be gentle with others than in such a posture of humility. 
put on patience and forgiveness. People can bug us, I know, but we need to remind ourselves to be patient. All who have been forgiven, Jesus says, must now forgive much. And to forgive much means to remember their sins no more. Thank God that in Christ he remembers our sins no more. And then Paul sums up these sanctified directives with this word, love. Put on love. I mean, love is what binds all these directives together. Love is what makes all these things possible. Thank God for love. Thank God for his love. His love is what binds us together with him, and his love is what binds us together with each other. God put on love in the person of Jesus Christ. Christ put on kindness and compassion. We see the kindness of Jesus as he welcomes the little children. We see the compassion of Jesus as he feeds the hungry, heals the sick, recognizes people's needs, recognizes your needs and mine. And in response to our need, Jesus put on humility and gentleness. He didn't strike out at our feebleness like an angry superior. He put on gentleness. He put on humility. He put on our sins. He was put on a cross for you and me. Jesus put on patience and forgiveness. He puts on patience Every time he puts up with our mistakes, time after time. And Jesus remembers our sins no more. Now that is love. That is Christ's love. And that love enabled him to be kind and compassionate, gentle and humble, patient and forgiving. And his love now enables us to be kind and compassionate, gentle and humble, patient and forgiving. Today we are celebrating the presentation of Jesus. In a couple weeks we'll celebrate the baptism of Jesus. Let his baptism remind us of our own baptism. In his baptism, <clears throat> Jesus identified with our sins. In our baptism, we identify with Christ's righteousness. In our baptism, we put on Christ. We were clothed with Christ. We were identified as someone special, as one of God's children. And we were promised eternal life. A putting on Christ not only means we have a special identity, but it also means we're called to a special activity. And as we approach a new year, I pray that we can commit ourselves to such special activity. Make a New Year's resolution about it. And God our Father resolved to save his fallen creation, and he did. Thank and praise God for that. 
And now let our thanks and our praise serve as our new wardrobe from which we draw our clothes every day. So again, Paul says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive each other if anyone has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. <laughs> oh, man. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Oh,